1: Welcome to TVN's Praise Podcast, hosted by Matt and Lori Crouch, where you will hear interviews with some of your favorite Bible teachers, pastors, authors, and Christian leaders. On today's episode, Matt and Lori Crouch host New York Times best-selling author and Grammy Award winner Michael W. Smith. Listen as Michael shares his redemptive testimony and unpacks God's perfect, healing love
2: for you.
0: The Way of the Father with Michael W. Smith and— what started this project this project your book what started it and what do you want us to know about this book and what's in it
1: yeah
0: well i think what started it
1: um i think probably when i mean i always felt like one day i would write a book about my dad
0: okay
1: i mean i've known it since really when i pulled my life together and my mom and dad moved and i became successful my dad just was. All these amazing attributes about my dad, and the more and more I lived life, and the more I watched him kind of get older, and saw that he never changed, and that he was consistent, and 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 every year I go, man, he really is amazing. And then the next year I go, you know, gosh, he's more amazing than I thought, you know. Mm -hmm. And just and it it just never fell off the cliff, Mm -hmm. you know. He had his faults, I mean, but I never saw much of it, you know. But when he got sick, that's when I, when he was diagnosed with dementia. I really began to sort of really pay attention to everything that he did, and start recollecting all those stories about my dad because I'd never—how long am I going to have my dad? I had no idea. It was a five-year journey of dementia, you know. So, so obviously he went to heaven in November 15, and and, but I just knew at at one point, the timing will be right. I'll I'll know when it's
0: right, and then I'll write that book, and I did. What do you want people to experience? I've got a lot of corners turned down here, and I'm yeah. gonna get into some specifics, but in general terms, what, what do you want somebody to experience that goes through this uh, with you? Yeah, it, I would say
1: that, 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 that if people read the book through, they could go, you know what? Oh my gosh, he not only loves me, but he really likes me. Mm. And not only does he like me, but he's very fond of me. Mm. And to me, when you get that piece. Everything changes, like everything changes. Not about you, you're confident. You can look at yourself in the mirror and go, man, I like who you're becoming. You're getting there. And there's not a lot of this beating yourself up all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's the key because I think when you get that piece,
0: then you really can change the world. Mm -hmm. Lessons from my dad, truths about God. So at, at the same time you're telling a lot of these stories about your dad, you're really giving us lessons from a good father, from a loving yeah. father, from someone that a lot of people have trouble um, sometimes dealing with because of their circumstances. Yeah. Uh, at least acknowledge, we all have to acknowledge that Lori grew up in a pastor's home with a beautiful daddy. Yes, I did. My dad was an amazing guy. Your dad, I feel like I know him now and is an amazing guy. Uh, but, uh, but we have maybe unique experiences and there's some people, uh, how do you get somebody to go, don't tune away from this broadcast if you've had a really horrible abusive or whatever kind of you know, early life. Well the
2: fact of the matter is a lot of people don't have fathers and their fathers haven't been present. And I remember the time that I heard that mothers are more I mean, you birth that baby so the motherly instincts are there to to mother that baby. Right. Fathers choose to be a father. Mm. So it's a choice that they actually have to choose to be a father. They have to choose to be a father because they don't they didn't birth the baby. I mean it's theirs but that was easy, you yeah. know. So so choosing to be fathers, a lot of people haven't had that experience that my dad chose to father me. Right. You know? Just and so your, your you know.
0: thoughts to the audience about people that are going, wait a second, I don't want to watch this program. Yeah. My dad was a really horrible person. Yeah.
1: Well, first of all, I go, What do, what do you have to lose? Mm. You know, this, this this thing might this program might change your life. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and so I would say if you don't, whoever's watching, if you don't have enough faith, I have, I have, I have lots of faith for you. Yeah, Beautiful. yeah. I've got, I've got so much faith for everybody watching all around the world. I really, I'm not just saying that. Yeah. So just stay with us, you know, yeah. because this could be a, a pivotal moment for you that could change everything in your life, especially if you've had a lot of hurt in your life, you know. I talk about my mom in that book. I mean, my mom was eight years old and her three younger siblings, Pat D and Bill, and my real grandmother, didn't, she was not a very good person. Um, that's a whole other story. But uh, but um, she told him to get out. Of the, they were one block from their house, I believe. Um, and she told them to get out of the car. You're walking home. And she drove off, and she never came back. Ever. Ever. So, you know, my mom could have been bitter for the rest of her life. You know, but she just, somehow she turned the corner. And I really think, I really honestly think she let God mother her and and I and I remember her telling me one day she's going. I just decided if I have a family one day, that's never going to happen to my family. Mm-hmm. She just kind of made that proclamation of faith and going. And I go, that's mm-hmm. awesome, mom. Like if you survived that, you know. And and I only met my real grandmother one time, and uh, and my mom only saw her one other time too, and it was at Pat's funeral. Oh my goodness. And I was young, and I was probably twenty or twenty one, and I was. I was still. I was He'll upset. I was. I was a little upset, you know. And I my mom was so on. gracious. She was so gracious to her real mom. Oh. See, the real the my, the grandmother on my, on my mom's side was my real grandfather remarried an Italian woman, oh. Mary Spradlin, and she was awesome. It's it. a little Italian lady, and she was amazing. Oh. But you know what? I and I do believe this, and my mom told me I think my real grandmother had a had an encounter with the Lord before she died. You know. And I don't know if she ever went back and asked my mom's forgiveness. I think she did. Yeah. I need to probably go clarify that, but I do think something happened in her life. So to me, you know, there's hope for everybody. Absolutely. Know? I don't and care the, if you were the abuser yeah. or if you were the abused.
2: Yeah.
1: There's just hope for everybody. Yeah. It's not too late.
2: Yeah, and the, and, the, and the fact of the matter is, why wouldn't you want a perfect heavenly father? This is an op- such a beautiful opportunity yeah. for those that have missed out or, or lacked anything. And a father, we have
1: a heavenly father. So. And then, you know, you, and, and if you'll just allow God to let him just love on you yeah. and let him heal you. Yeah. And, and, and if all that really does happen, I mean, you just become a different person. You just, you, be, you, be, you, you become yeah, alive. Mm-hmm. And, and it's almost like, and I've known people who, who've told me their story going, I can't believe what happened to me. I was so depressed. Mm-hmm. I was so bitter. And now I'm fully alive. And now now you know what they're doing? they're going and talking and sharing their story with all the people that were yeah. the way she was yeah. 10 years ago. So to it me, it's a, it, it just a ripple effect of what God can do through a broken
0: life. Yeah. And then Oof. you see it turn around. Yeah. The way of the Beautiful. father lessons from my dad truths about God. What it feels like you're trying to do is say in this book and what it feels like this was when, when I read it was that no matter what your experience has ever been, no matter how horrible of a situation. I, yes, am talking about my dad, but it, it is really, he's almost an analogy for a loving heavenly father. And that's real. Mm-hmm. And you have faith for anybody that that changes you forever. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. what's your own, what's your personal journey of change and all of that. There's a little bit of that written in the book here. You kind of went uh, a little bit off the rails. Yeah, for so a I went way <laughs> south.
1: <laughs> <laughs> in Nashville. Well, part of that journey was in Nashville. When I moved here in 78, and I'd become a prodigal and I went in 75, it's, it's a crazy story. I've written other books about it, you know, over the years about the gory details of just, I just got deceived. I mean, I've always. If you can have a favorite name name for the devil, I've always said he's the great deceiver, yeah. and anybody can go down. I don't care who you are, mm-hmm. and but I didn't think I I didn't think I would, you know. And, and it's just a, it's a crazy story. All my friends who, who were older went to school, went off to college, and then I just I lost my way, and I thought I could play with the fire and not get burned, and then all of a sudden I'm trapped. I'm literally trapped, and. It's the crazy thing is, is because I remember getting high with people and I would be talking about Jesus. Mm. And they'd all go, wow, well, man, that's really cool. You know, I mean? <laughs> I mean, it sounds weird, but I knew that God had a call in my life and mm. I knew that there was a destiny for my life. And so I never could shake that. I never totally just, I never totally disowned him. I would just partying, just doing crazy stuff, you know, making bad choices. Yeah. Cool thing is my mom and dad never condemned me. Mm. Ever, ever. They never threw me out of the bus. I was always welcome home. I know it hurt my mom and dad. That's what hurt me. And I could tell in their faces mm. that they were... Gre- they weren't mad. They were, they were grieving for me. So, basically, I just continued to sort of spiral, spiral, spiral down, and I'm, I'm in this... I felt like I was in a big pit and there was no ladder to get out. And then I, I had a near-drug overdose in 1978, and that's... and I almost lost my life. And that's when I thought, oh, my gosh. Lord, do whatever you have to do Mm. to get my attention. Car wreck, break my legs, just don't kill me. And I'd say those kind of (laughs) prayers. And I knew my mom and dad were on their knees every single night for me, if not in the morning as well. And then 1979, November of 79, I had a, I probably had a nervous breakdown. I never went to the doctor, but I ended up on the linoleum floor in my apartment in Nashville and I wept and shook for three and a half hours. Yeah. And at 3.30 in the morning, I just, I, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Abba was laying on the floor with his arm around me. Yeah. And I haven't been the same since. <laughs> it all changed, it but I'm, I'm
0: convinced that it was the prayers of my mom and dad. Yeah. During that, you know, let's say that season of your life where you were making bad choices, you know, a lot of times, people think God shames them, that God wants to be a taskmaster and wants to correct you in a harsh way. But I I found in the book, the closest thing to harsh that your dad was with you, you write about in the book where you had a bit of a conversation out on the front porch of your little house in Kenosha. Canova. Canova. Yeah. And so... um, what was that like? Yeah. Because that's almost a heavenly father-ish <laughs> yeah, kind of. It was you know. it was tender and
1: I felt awful, you know. I'm I'm sh- I I felt shame. I felt I just felt so guilty. And but it didn't really come from my dad. It was just I knew I was doing the wrong thing. But yeah, my my dad came, you know, he came from that generation, you know, there were some really amazing things about that generation. You know, when you were yeah. sick, you went to work. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you took care of your wife, you took care of your kids, you were involved in your community, mm-hmm. uh, you are involved in your church, and you just, you know, he just was a good, good guy, you know? But there were certain things that, of that generation that they didn't want to, like, they didn't, you know, we didn't have a lot of talks about sex. Mm-hmm. We didn't talk a lot of talks about, or he was non-confrontational. No. Yeah. 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 Oh. But th- that, those kind of things, <laughs> he just didn't, he didn't know what to say, you yeah. know? And... <laughs> For me, it's a little. It's a different time for me. I've 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 had talks with all my kids about lots of important and deep stuff, and where some of my kids were maybe struggling, and I just talked to them about it. You know, Mm -hmm. my dad had a hard time doing that Mm -hmm. because I think he didn't want to push me away. Mm -hmm. He knew I was in trouble, so he he thought if he said he he was so careful not to say anything that might make me wander even further. Mm -hmm. But I remember on that front porch. I went out there. He asked me to come out there, and I'm sitting, and I just knew it was coming, you know? <laughs> and he, he just said, son, he said, you're going to have to pull together. And you're going to have to stop doing this stuff. you got to pull together. And I just remember just going, I know, Dad. I know. I just, <laughs> my hand was down, and I was trying not to cry. And, and that's all he said. That's all he said. And then we
0: got walked back in the house. That conversation on the porch Mm -hmm. that Paul Smith had with Michael W. Smith is more in line with what God is always saying. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you think is giving you life in this world isn't. It's really death. It's temporary. It's my goodness to you is what will fulfill you. He's constantly saying those things. And that's kind of what you experienced even in your kind of wayward time, your dad was just calling to you. He didn't want to push you any further. No. And people have the, a really weird dynamic about God as this really, you know, kind of guy with a hammer, you know, behind his back, waiting to knock you on the head with it, you know? know. It's not like that, is it?
1: It's not like that. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, a lot of these people have grown up in really legalistic churches and have, and have brought that sort of theology that I think is detrimental yeah. to people. And, and that's the kind of stuff that makes me, if I get, if, and I never get, I don't get mad very often. I'm, I'm such, so yeah, peaceful no, I'm... and, but if I do get upset, it's when people instill uh, lies in people's lives, things like that, yeah. that portray God for some, someone that he's not. Mm-hmm. And because that can
0: destroy a life.
2: The great deceiver.
0: He's a great deceiver. Yeah. Well, the reality is, uh, your testimony here today is at your darkest hour. What did what What was the image of God you remember? There with you, with His arm around you. Mm-hmm. He yeah. was literally with you. Yeah, that's your story. That's my story. I took away from reading the Way of the Father, and it's a beautiful book. It's super engaging. Uh, look all the information about how you can get it this month, this entire month of June is on the screen. And thank you for writing it, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. But it, it makes me think that you, let's say, are anchored beautifully with all these years of experiences of watching your mom and your dad and your wife, of course. So if somebody doesn't have those years of anchored to the right kind of stuff, and we're trying to get them to say, God is a good God and he's a good father and all that how do they how do they get anchored in a way like you might be able to recall from your life experiences and your father's example they have the opposite of that example I want I want people to feel like they don't have an unfair advantage because Jesus is real right so help them with that if somebody's tuned in and going come on guys you keep talking about this great life experience, and mine was horrible, how do I get to the same place, you know, uh, without those life experiences? Well, I think you've
1: got to, first of all, you've just got to be open and just going, God, here I am. I am nothing without you, and I'm ready, I'm, I'm really ready and willing for you to heal me, you know, and let go of that stuff. Now, I think it's important not with who you walk in life with, What's your village? What's your tribe? Yeah. What's your? I love these small group settings. I love the church. And the, you know, I, I, it's all great. But who are those people you're walking with? So it's the saying, And I think a mentor is very, very important. I've been mentored by Don Finto my, for 38 years. So somebody who's walked, you can walk with, yeah. and especially somebody who's been hurt. You know. That can be therapy, whatever you want to call it I mean, I mean, but you want the right kind of therapy. you want somebody that could, that's from a spiritual standpoint can really walk you through a healing process because right. there's probably some people need need that, especially mm-hmm. if there's some deep wounds, but I can guarantee you that there's a way out yes. and there's the, and there and there's no exceptions everybody er, there's everybody has the the possibility of absolutely being free and and especially from who knows? The, I mean, Fento, I mentioned earlier, Fento a prime example. And my mom and the, and I know. I, I could hundreds of people who've had a horrific life who totally turned it around. So, yeah. So just get, you got to, I think you have to take the first step, you know? But I think that the, probably the key thing is, is knowing that, as I said earlier as well. There's a call of God in your life and he loves you. And maybe, maybe think of that image of a father. With his arm around me mm. and all these awful things i was doing for four years he just he just wants to love you he just wants to be your friend yeah. you know that's what he wants that, that's what he wants yeah. and um so take the first step uh i think he's already taken the first step he's ready for you to just <laughs> kind of walk towards him and let the healing process begin we hope you're enjoying the praise podcast we'll get back to the interview soon
0: well, we go back over to the piano, because people are going, you realize <laughs> that's Michael W. Smith, you're, right? You're working yeah. me today, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I love it. <laughs> and uh, you re- you realize he plays and sings, and so stop talking and let him sing. <laughs> um, but I have a bunch of pages turned down in this section of the book, and where I'm at is a section you had, if I'm remembering you know, correctly from the book, um, you had a dry spell in your writing. You know, a lot of people yeah. m- know that you write a ton of songs, even more than you perform. You had talked about uh, literally a dry spell. I don't know which exactly one you're talking yeah. about, but. Maybe you can tell this I better than you can. I, yeah, maybe I can. <laughs> maybe, Maybe you've had more than one, obviously. But you hit. Amos five oh, in the message. Oh, okay, yes. here we go. That's here we go. where yes. that's where I'm going. Yeah, that's here. where you're at. Okay, yes. I read that
2: this morning. Ooh. So do you
0: want me to read Amos five here? I would love okay. for you to read Amos. Five, and I believe it's from the, the message. Bible. The message. Yes. yes. Uh, and by the way, is is he not amazing? Yeah. You know. Oh my God. Incredible. Just a genius. I love I love the Message Bible. So you're reading the Message Bible one day, <laughs> and here's the word of the Lord that comes to Michael W. Smith. Well, you certainly internalized it. I mean, it comes to all of us. Prepare for impact, trust me. I can't stand your religious meetings. Mm. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me, do you know what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. Mm. I want fairness, rivers of it. That's what I want. That's all I want. Okay, was that the Lord taking you to the woodshed that day? It was unbelievable. And I think I'd read that numerous times over my life,
1: you know. But you know, the, the I don't know who pointed me to the message to read the Amos thing from the message, but it just it literally you threw wife. threw me. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it threw me back against the wall and I literally my knees buckled. I mean I it was yeah. like a an epiphany. It was mm-hmm. like a whoa gosh Lord have we missed it, mm-hmm. you know? And and that's when I just that's when I started to think about the Surrounded project. That's what that's what spurred on that record. It was really a million lights and Surrounded, which was they, so I'd never done anything like that. Released back to back weeks, two records released in two weeks. But the Surrounded thing was really, uh, really inspired by that passage, and just and, and having every tribe and hopefully every nation that that are that are at this event, you know, that I did at the factory. Um, and then we've got to be—we've got to be a voice for those who don't have a voice. Yeah. We've got to like—I mean—and then—and the, then obviously the ego music that really got my attention, you know. <laughs> and so I really began to just start to shift my thinking. And God, that—that that is what you want, right there. Mm. And 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 if I'm if I'm not a part of that change, then shame on me. And I, it's the only time I would ever say shame on me, you yeah. know. Yeah. Then I need to rise up, and I've got to do my part. And we've got—we have to stand up for. There's so many horrific things that go on, going on around the world, and we think we can't do anything about it, and nobody wants to talk about it. But we have to, as the church, we have to, and, and we can do something about it. Yeah. So, and but that spurred that record on, especially surrounded, and and then obviously what we did at Bridgestone was just amazing—the awaken event—and just that was that was all, almost an extension of surrounded. And I love what y'all did, kudos to all the great tech team and the people who filmed it, but you look and there's moms and dads and there's grandfathers and there's, there's Indian, there's black, there's white. I mean, it just, we have, It's
0: almost like everybody's represented in this place going, that's, I think that's what the house of God should look like. Michael W. Smith, I remember in reading The Way of the Father, I remember a moment where you were booked to do a big arena event in South Africa. You arrive to the airport and a sweet little person in the immigration department says, Mr Smith. I'm not going to let you on this airplane. <laughs> and yep. uh, that, that, tell, tell a little bit of that story. What was really going on? Then I have a question about these quote divine interruptions.
1: Yeah. Well, I was, um, I was actually in Atlanta trying to get to South Africa was what happened. And they, I didn't have, um. I didn't have enough pages in my you had zero pages I, Yeah, zero pages left. Yeah, and I, I never knew that was an issue. You just stamped beside wherever you were on another on on the page of. Of Nigeria or whatever. <laughs> and so she said, no, they are not. They're not going to let you in. And so. In the past, um. That would, but that would have bothered me a little bit. <laughs> And uh, I would have been upset. And I just thought, no, remember, my team went on and we're going to put you in a hotel and we're going to, we'll put you, get you on the net. We'll go get you on the flight the next day. You go in Atlanta and get your passport renewed. And so I did. And I remember walking out of the airport going, wonder what you have in mind. Why am I missing my flight? And uh, I got in an Uber car with a gentleman, and it's all in the book. And, um, he wanted to know what I was doing. How was how was your flight? I go, well, I'm supposed to be on a flight to South Africa. And he's going, well, why are you not on your flight to South Africa? So I tried to give him the short story. And what do you do? And I told him what I did. He said, oh, I, I went to church camp, you know. I got married and kind of kind of walked away with the Lord, and you know. And it was a really incredible conversation. And he, he kind of went, what's your story then? And I just told him about this, that I had this massive encounter with Christ. It changed my life, you know. And um, so we get like 30 seconds from the hotel and he stops his car, he stops his car. And he turns around and he says, okay, I've got 30 seconds left with you. Would you please tell me what an encounter with Christ means? And so he slowly, he probably took 60 seconds to get to the lobby. He slowly, and I just told him, I just told him about the father heart of God you know, and um and he pulls up, he said, "Well, I had a pastor in my car two days ago. I've got you in my car today. I think God is trying to tell me something. And I said, "I'm going to pray for you, I will never forget you, because I think there's a call of God on your life." I said, "Bless you." and I got and I walked into the lobby, and I went, "That's why I missed my flight." <laughs> And then the next day, a whole other story. I st- they still wouldn't give me my passport. And, oh, gosh, it was it was insane, it, all the details. So I think uh, the devil could have been at play on some of that. But whatever, I finally I finally found myself on a plane and landing in Cape Town and finally getting to the, um, get, get, I think it was Joburg, actually, and, and arriving in about 70 minutes before I was supposed to go on stage. And... Uh, it was an amazing night. So, yeah, just, you know, God's in all of that. You yeah. just have to just, do uh, he, he, I think that was, that's what he wanted to happen. So that well,
2: like God would love you so much that he would keep Michael W. Smith from getting on a bike. <laughs> could you just yeah. pray for everybody, those people that may, maybe there, don't there know There could the be Lord. that, but,
0: yeah. another yeah. Uber Same driver, thing. that, that <laughs> this is a divine interruption for them. What does somebody have to do to start their journey with the Father? Yeah, um, as
1: Franklin always says, you know what? For God to so love the world, mm-hmm. that He gave His only Son for you. If you believe Him in, in Him, you shall have eternal life. And so, it's not too late for you. And um, I believe this is a di- kind of a divine moment in time. And uh, don't think you're watching by mistake. So, uh, maybe this is your time, this moment. So. He loves you not only loves you he likes you he's very fond of you and i believe he's got a call in your life so there's a beautiful thing about surrendering your life to 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 the lord and um i promise you you won't regret it and you will have a life like you've never had before doesn't mean you won't have trials and tribulations there will be we all have stuff that we go through but god will give you the strength to get through whatever battle or whatever adversity you've had, especially in this past year. So, even what the enemy means for, it means for evil, he turns it for the good. And even in the valley, he's working for our good. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. So, I'm praying for you, for all of you who are watching, and I will continue to do so.
0: In Jesus' name, amen. If somebody doesn't know how to talk to God. What do they have to say to God to get their journey started? What's what's the simplest little thing that they need to? They they might have faith in your words that they would say rather than their own. You have a lot of faith for our audience tonight. Yeah. What do they need to say to the Lord? Oh, I'd
1: just be conversational. i just go, hey, God, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> I'd do that, Mom. i go ahead get in this hot tub out back. and, and Like today, today, I was just going, Lord, you're good. You're good. And... Uh, enter your gates with thanksgiving and praise. That's how you sort of get enter in. It says, enter, enter, enter his gates with thanksgiving and praise. And then I go, and then my number one prayer, God, God, show me what it is to abide in you. What's that mean, just abide? Abide in me, I'll abide in you. And so what's that, what's that look like on a daily basis, on an hourly basis? How do I truly abide in you? But uh, in my car, I just, I talk to him like I do my wife, my kids, I just, God, I said, I'm struggling. I don't know why I feel this way. Just bring some clarity of mind, you know? It's just conversational, you know? And then when I can't find the words, there's no better place to go than the Psalms. Yes. And what I love about David is he, um, you know, you know, one one minute he's going, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth? You know, and he's up, and then all of a sudden, it's like, why, you know, it's just good. I love that he just, then he just, Just crying out for God, groaning and moaning, God, why have you forsaken me? And and then all of a sudden, he's back this way, you know. So that's that's what I love about the Psalms, and the Psalms are so full of so many amazing things that you can pray. Matter of fact, I've memorized a lot of the Psalms, um, and I pray those Psalms a lot, especially Psalm 139. I, I pray that a lot. I think it's that's. Probably my other than the gospels, that's probably my favorite chapter in the Bible. Oh Lord, you've searched me and you know. Me. Yeah, the so.
0: entire chapter is right here in the book, too. Yeah. If yeah. somebody has never surrendered their life, what do they need to say to the Lord? What's the first conversation they might need to have with the Lord?
1: Well, from experience and knowing people who've been in that position, uh, I know those who have prayed, Lord, I really want to believe in you. Mm. Increase my faith Mm. to believe that you really are who you say you are.
0: That's what I would say. What song comes to mind while you're kind of just prophetically playing on the piano? Some little something, one of your songs. Um.
1: There is none like you. No one else can touch my. Heart like you do. I could search for all eternity, law, and find there is none like you.
2: There is none
1: like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I can search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. I can search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you.
2: Thank you for listening to this episode of TBN's Praise Podcast. If you enjoyed today's interview, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, share it with a friend, and consider leaving a review. We look forward to having you join us back here
1: next week.